Opens God, open God's Word to Acts chapter 1. privilege of being in church last Sunday with best folks in, in Lake Panasofsky, Florida. And it was nice to sit and listen to a sermon. But as you sit and listen to the sermon, you're like, okay, now if I was preaching that, I'd have stressed this point a little more. And, and if, you know, but he missed his opportunity here. And, and it's like, oh, it's just sit and enjoy it. <laughs> it was it was good to uh, to sit and listen for a week. Really enjoyed that, but it's also good to be back here um, to share God's word. To continue, this is our third Sunday in Acts. Uh, just a quick quick review, starting in Acts chapter one, verse one. Jesus, Luke wrote the book of Luke, wrote the book of Acts. He's talking to Theophilus, the Roman official. And he says, Jesus, the first, the first book that I wrote you, the first volume, was about Jesus and what he did and then what he taught. It was important that it's in that order. And we, from time to time, I'll use the expression, you know, your talk talk and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Okay? You got Everybody, I think we're. I think we've tried this before. Everybody can repeat that with me now, right? No, we won't even try it. But we know that our talk, talk, and our walk talks, but our walk talks louder than our talk talks. Jesus, by example, began to do, and then he taught. He had his life as an example. And then he taught how we should live, but he had already displayed it for us. He'd made himself obvious after the resurrection. Some people say, ah, oh, you know, even the Jews would say, oh, the disciples just stole his body and did away with it. We've got eyewitnesses. Luke, Luke was a doctor. Almost at times we think he's kind of like a lawyer because he wanted the facts. He wanted everything presented just, just right. Christ presented himself. There was witnesses, many witnesses. When you add them up, it was, it was close to 500 people that saw him between the resurrection and the ascension 40 days later when he returned to heaven. In verse 4, one, he says, wait. Wait for it. And that's, that's the title of our sermon today, actively waiting. Now, I know we've got some school teachers in here and we've got active and passive verbs. Can anybody tell me the difference? Active and passive verb. This is your grammar lesson for the week. An active verb is you are doing the action. I went to the store. I was doing it, so I am actively participating in the verb. 
passively as if something is done to me or for me. I am not actually doing it. It is being done for me or to me. We are to be actively waiting, which is almost kind of like an oxymoron. But we need to be about the business that God has for us while we're waiting. Well, what are we waiting for? Well, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the day that God calls me home. I'm looking forward to that day. Could be today. Hallelujah. (laughs) Reconvene the search committee. (laughs) Might be 50 years from now, 40 years, maybe not, hopefully not 50. Could be a long time from now, anyhow. But between today and then, what he has for me, what am I doing? And here in verse 4, he tells the disciples, you need to go to Jerusalem and wait. Well, wait for what? We talked about John the Baptist declared it. Jesus talked about it. The coming of the Holy Spirit. He's going to send a comforter, one to come alongside. One to come alongside, one to give power. Power for what? Power to be, as, as, as we look here, he says power, you're going to get it, why in verse 8, to be witnesses. We don't want to do it in our own power. We need to do it in his power. We talked about briefly about Gideon and how 32,000 were too many men for the battle. God says, you go win this battle, you're going to think you did it. I want you to know that I did it for you. So anybody that's gotten scared, and, and you know, why in the world would anybody ever ask people in the army, if you're afraid, go home, you don't have to fight? That, that just sounds like a, a, a funny thing to ask somebody that's about ready to go into battle and could die. If you're afraid, go home. But he did. Gideon did. 32 to 10,000. God says, no. I want you to know that I'm doing it for you. 10,000 is too many. So they did the, the thing with the lapping the water and how they drank the water and, and they sent 9,700 of them home because they didn't drink the water from the river the right way. 300 to take on the whole Midian army. Remember they had their pitcher that was covering the lantern or the torch? Oh boy, now I'm going to forget what there was a third thing they had. Some of the trumpets, thank you. Something to make noise with. They had their trumpets. And because they did what God told them to do, they were obedient. God did for them what He said He would do. He gave them the victory. God defeated the Midianites, not Gideon. Not Gideon and his men. God defeated them. One, because they obeyed Him, and two, because God said He would if they followed his instructions. So we do it, we, we need to be witnesses in the power of God. He doesn't expect us to do it on our own. Now skip to verse, verse 6. They, they're, they're concerned and they want to know, God, are you going to restore your kingdom at this time? And, and this was very real to them. They were not looking for a spiritual Messiah 
they were looking for a physical earthly king to throw off the rule of the Romans. We want to get rid of the Roman oppression. And that's what they were looking for, more than they were the spiritual Messiah. And if they, they, they had ever listened one iota to John the Baptist and his preparing the way, and listened at all to what Christ was teaching, they would have known that he was the spiritual Messiah. They would not have turned their back on their own. They would have accepted him as the king. Again, verse 8, they were going to receive the Holy Spirit to gain the power to be witnesses for him. Verse 9, he was lifted up. I always think that's funny, uh, just the term. I mean, you, you see different renditions, and you know, you think of Jesus just kind of floating up in the air. It says he was lifted up. I don't know if angels lifted him, or if it was just the power of the Father that lifted him. But he was lifted up. And someday he's going to come back and set his feet on this earth again at the beginning of the millennial reign. Just as he went, he will come back. But we got a lot of work to do, a lot of waiting. Well, these guys were supposed to be waiting. We're not supposed to wait so much anymore because the hell, we have the Holy Spirit. And we know what the, what the orders are. We know what our marching orders are. Verse 8, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Witness in Jerusalem. That's where it all started. That's where they turned, they first turned their back on Christ. Judea, Samaria. Samaria was the, the part of the land that was a bunch of crossbreeding. They they weren't pure Jews. But they weren't pure Gentiles either. They were mixed. The Jews hated those people. We're not supposed to hate anybody, are we? But they didn't get along with them. And God says, go and be a witness to them. Go be a witness to those that you don't want to love. Go tell them about me. To those that you might find it difficult to talk to. Some of the most difficult people to, to witness to can be your family members. Because they truly know us. They know what sinners we are. We can't, we can't fool them. We can't pull the wool over our eyes. We talk, we talk about all the time that, that, that the reason so many people don't want to come to church is because is there's so many hypocrites in the church. I'll tell you what, there's none of us that are perfect. None of us are even close. All of us struggle to live. Okay, let's go back to that. Your your talk talk and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks? We'll go right back to that. It's difficult to keep them in line together all the time. Because we are sinners. We are not perfect. But we've got to let God prevail in our lives. We need to Love the Lord our God, but we also need to love our neighbor. And when we love our neighbor, as we love ourselves and as, as we do our best to love God, 
They're going to see something in us. They're going to see pure and true motives. You're, you're not doing it to get something. You're doing it because you want to give them something. You want to share with them Jesus Christ, which is what they need. All right, let's get to, that's, that's just a quick review. Okay, let's get into verse 12. When I, when I first sent the, the order of service to Stephen earlier in the week, I had on there Acts 1, 12 through 26. You'll notice it says 14 now. There was no way we were going to make it to the end of the chapter today. Verse 12. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is, Peter and John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, not Judas Iscariot. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with certain women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There's a lot to unpack in those verses. They returned Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet. Mount of Olivet was just to the east of Jerusalem. And you go down the, the, to the river, the Valley Kidron, and then up into the city of Jerusalem. Sabbath day's journey. A thousand yards. Ten football fields length to length. Gives you an idea that the Mount Olivet was not that far from Jerusalem. Okay? It was pretty close to Jerusalem. And what were they? Why, why were they going back to Jerusalem? Because they were just told to. Go and wait. He didn't say go sit on your derrieres until the Holy Spirit comes. He said go and wait. They needed to be about his business. But right now, they needed to do it in Jerusalem. And they needed to do it. They didn't know how long it was going to be. I mean, we don't have it recorded that God told them that it would be ten days. Maybe he did. But his word doesn't tell us that. So they go with the expectation of not knowing exactly how long they are to do it, but they know that they're going to do it because they were told to. They're going to be obedient to what Jesus told them. So they take that Sabbath day's journey. Verse 13, when they entered, they went to the upper room. Again, we have nothing in God's word that tells us if this was the upper room that they celebrated just six or seven weeks ago, the Passover with Christ. It very possibly could have been the same room. We're not saying it wasn't. I I don't know that there's great significance in whether it was or was not. Um, I kind of think it probably was just because that's what they were familiar with. That's, That's where they had spent time with Christ. And if he told them to go and wait... The first thought in their head someplace in Jerusalem to meet was, huh, what do we know? We tend to be creatures of habit. It's comfortable doing what we know. So I, I kind of think they went back there again. It has no great spiritual significance whether it was or was not. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke 24. 
just back a few pages. Luke 24, 49, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, that you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple praising God. This is, remember, this is first, we can say first Luke, and we can call Acts second Luke, because it's the second volume. But the way he ended the book of Luke, and, and that's what I, what I love about Acts, if you're studying any of the New Testament churches, Thessalonians, uh, the church from Thessalonica, or Corinth, uh, or Philippi, you go back to Acts, and you can find details that you don't get from the books themselves. Well, here, if you go back to Luke 1, or 1 Luke, you're going to get some details that we don't get in Acts. And it says, well, how, how did they return? How did they return to Jerusalem? Verse 52, Luke 24, 52, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, wait a minute. They just lost the Savior. The teacher, rabbi, is gone. Wouldn't that kind of be a sad day? You, you, you know you're not going to see him anymore here. But they returned with great joy because they know that something is about to happen because John the Baptist told that it would. It's in the Old Testament, I believe in Isaiah. I don't know if I have that written down right here. That, that, that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And then Jesus taught them, and he just said, go and wait. So they didn't have to go moping. They didn't have to go, oh, what's going to happen now? They knew. Because he told them, so they went back with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. Now we know that obviously they spent some time in the upper room, from what we're being told in, in Acts here. But they also spent time in the temple. They spent time with, with other believers, worshiping and praising God. It's a good way to use your time. Folks, you need to be here on Sunday. Obviously, I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here. We, the body, need you to be here on Sunday. You, you, the body, need us. You need to be here on Sunday. That's how we encourage one another. And I know with this COVID thing and technology that, that there's great TV ministries and putting the sermons out on Facebook so that, you know, people that are sick or didn't feel comfortable coming back yet have that opportunity. But guys, Satan doesn't miss an opportunity. The word church, the Greek word is ekklesia. You know what it means? It means gathering together. When you watch church on TV, sorry, it may be good, you may get the message and the Holy Spirit can still work if the Word of God's being preached, but you're not getting the benefit of the family. You're not getting the benefit of being here together, of being called out gathering 
which is what the church is to be. So, I, you know, as, as much as some of these things can be good and have their place, I, I think that Satan is also using it as a tool across our nation right now to tear the church apart because the church is not gathering. The church is watching. The church is listening. That's better than nothing, but it's not what the church is. And Satan is using it. My wife belongs to a a Facebook group of pastor's wives, seven or eight hundred pastor's wives across the country. And I'm glad she doesn't tell me everything she reads on on, on that Facebook page. But the number of churches that have split and broken and sold their building and land, they've disbanded as churches because, because of the way Satan has used COVID to split and to divide. He'll use everything there is. And we're going to see the aftershock for years and years to come because Satan still wants people to stay at home and watch it on TV or listen on Facebook or whatever number of different platforms you have at your disposal. Satan wants to disperse us. What's, what's the, the, one of the most basic military concepts? Divide and conquer. You're going to fall a lot easier when you're by yourself than if we're together. I know there's, and, and I'm not an expert, and I know there's some old Roman movies where it talks, it displays how they would lock their shields together and stand together in, in a, a very small force could take on a much larger force because of their standing together. Guys, it's got spiritual implications. It's easy to see. What does the wolf do to the flock? To sheep. Little bad sheep. Real sheep. Coles one away from the group. Then there's less noise. The shepherd doesn't hear it. And he can take that one sheep down with no problem. When you stand together, that's why God says, that's why the the word used means gathering. We are to come together as a church. That's how we build one another up. That's how we encourage each other. That's how we love each other. That's how you know. There's nothing like looking at somebody in the eye. I love love having the privilege of standing here and and looking around. You, You can... You can learn to read people from their eyes. I went to, said, don't know where this is coming from, but when I went to basic training, the first night you're there, you're up all night, and the TIs are screened. The idea and principle of basic training is you break you all down to nothing and then build you back together as a team. That's the, the low-down short version. And they just scream at you and tell you you're nothing and your mama's never going to open your girlfriend's off with another boy already. And this, you know, they, they just try to totally destroy and demoralize you so they can put you back together. 4.30 the following morning, you're sitting in the bay room and the, the TI training instructor's looking around. He said, you, you're nuts. You're going to be out of my Air Force in three days. I was pointing at the floor. I was not pointing at you, Olivia, okay? <laughs> and he looks around the room and he says, you. He says, I think you're kind of nuts. He said, you may not be out of my Air Force in three days, he says, but he says, you're definitely going to be at the mental health clinic. 
He could, he could read it in their eyes. And you know what? In three days, that guy was out. He was gone. And that guy was at the mental health clinic getting some help that he needed. So I love... <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to start pointing at you. <laughs> but I love looking at your eyes. You can read people. You know, I, you know... It's, it's okay if one or two of you gloss over, but when I look around and everybody's glossed, it's like, okay, let's go home, it's over. <laughs> I always lose one or two of you. That, that's, a, that's a given, that's understanding. Life happens, you're thinking about whatever's going to happen this week, and, and there's stresses that come in and take over. But we come here together to love one another. We gather together. I cannot love on you. I cannot look you in the eye if you are at home watching another pastor on TV. I'm not saying don't don't do that. Because I'm sure there's guys on TV that are much better speakers and more eloquent than that. Of that I have no doubt. Do that all you want. But don't ever give this up. Don't ever forget this. The verse in Hebrew that says, and this is the one you always heard as as a kid, that we had to be there every time the church doors opened. Sunday morning, Sunday night, boys club brigade on Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Every, Every time the doors opened, if you weren't there, there must be some awful sin in your life. Well, it's important for us to be together. And, and the verse in Hebrews says, not forsaking the assembling. And, and not forsaking the assembling does not talk about if you're sick, you need to stay home. If you are ever sick, please stay home, okay? Because we don't want what you got. But it's a hard attitude of forsaking the assembling, the gathering of the church. Your heart, you know, you know, you're, everybody's got those in their family. The, when it comes to family reunions or Christmas and, and, and big gatherings, it's like, oh, no, Uncle George is going to be there. Uncle, you know, whatever. Because he tells really dumb dad jokes. That's, that's my kids. I, I, that's why I try to stay away from jokes. Because they always roll their eyes and go, oh boy, here he goes again. There's, there's those that, when you come to church, you may say, well, I'm going to, we don't have any Susies in here, do we? I'm going to, I don't want to get near Susie. I don't want to talk to her because she always talks about whatever, whatever it might be. And I don't want to listen to that again. Folks, we're family. And, and the, the way this world is going, we're, gonna, we're going to, of necessity, need to learn to lean on each other even more than we do now. We need to love each other. We need to put aside petty differences, silliness, things that don't matter in eternity. 
As I've shared so many times, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Him. He is why we're here. And everything that we do and everything that we say needs to be about Him. Don't let Satan divide us. Don't don't have an attitude of, I don't care, I don't need to go to church. We need you here, and you need to be here. We want, even better, we want you to be here because we love you. And if you're not, we miss you. Even though you might not have missed me because I was only gone one week. The church is a gathering together. We need to be together. We need to stand together. Because we get the strength from unity and locking our shields together. That's, that's where we gain strength. Part of that is praying for one another. That's why we have our list of prayer requests on the back of the calendar. Every Wednesday night when we come together to pray for one another. That's how we build strength. That's how we love each other. Is we bring each other before the throne of God. The creator of the universe. I was sitting with a fellow at the wedding last night and he was telling me about his employment over the years and I just talked about briefly my time in the Air Force and the different assignments I've had. And people always said, well, what general do you know? Because I got some, we had some really good assignments. Now, I dare say we didn't have any crummy ones at all. And I look back at him and say, I don't know a general. I said, but I do know the creator of the universe. I get some funny looks like, oh boy, what do you, maybe you go, need to go to a mental health clinic, dude. So now I have a personal relationship with God. He's the one that controls my assignments. But it's about him, for him and his glory. We're family. We need you. You need us. Please keep coming. And those that aren't here, Look around you. See who isn't here. And if you have a great memory like I do, you won't need to pull out your church directory and go, yeah, they're here, they're here. No, they're not. That, that's in case you don't have a great memory like I have. Call them this week. Nan's in Florida. I'm pretty sure her cell phone number's in the directory. She'd love to get a three-minute phone call from you. Say, Nan, we love you. We're praying for you. We're praying for your mom. Order with somebody a happy birthday on Tuesday. That's important. That's important. Now, back to the message. Don't know where all that came from. Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 1. Verse 13. When they entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying, that is, how many names are listed there? Oh, that's not fair. Somebody already counted. That was quick. (laughs) Eleven. So there's eleven of them there. 
And next week, we're going to find out how they get back up to 12 and the significance of that. That's verses 15 to 26 that I knew we wouldn't get to. There's 11 there, but there's 11 of the disciples that had spent the last three years with Jesus. Verse 14, they were all with one mind. Immediately, my mind goes to Philippians 2. Let the mind of Christ be in you. When we are to be of one mind, it's not that we all have the same mind as the pastor. It's not that we are to have the mind of the fellow that's been an elder for 85 years in the church. And because he rules the roost and he's been there forever, we need to have his mind. No. We need to have the mind of Christ. If I have the mind of Christ, you have the mind of Christ, you have the mind, if we all have the mind of Christ, that's how you get unity. And guess what? The mind of Christ is not about me getting my color of carpet in the new nursery. That's not where the mind of Christ is at. Now, if we will have the same, the mind of Christ, we'll have that unity so that the color of the carpet in the new nursery is no big deal. In eternity, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what color the curtains are or the flooring that we get for the pastor's office. I'd prefer not pink, please. (laughs) But if we have the mind of Christ, then we'll have unity. They were with one mind, were continually devoting themselves. A couple of chapters over, chapter 6, verse 4. There's actually a ministry based on this. You can buy a hat that has the number 6-4. You know, you can see football games or baseball games. Somebody's already holding up a sign that says John 3-16. Well, this one has a hat that just says 6-4 on it. Well, it's referring to Acts 6, chapter 6, verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. If that's all, if we never had another good news club, if we never had another ladies' Bible study, if we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word, we are accomplishing what we are about. Now, thank goodness we have good news club. Thank goodness we have ladies' Bible study. Thank goodness we have men's Bible study. Because that's how we get to this point. To devote ourselves to prayer and to, the, and to devote We'll get into that sometime. That's a pretty strong word. That's not a flippant casual. Oh, I got to go to Bible study in two hours. I better. What? What was the lesson? Hey, Joe. What number chapter are we on this week? That's not what devotion calls for. But they were devoted with one mind, continually devoting themselves. To prayer, and and as we saw at the end of the last chapter of Luke, they were full of joy, and they were meeting in the temple. That does—that's not what's told here, but that's part of this. They were with one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with certain women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Very, very significant. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Nobody was praying to Mary. Nobody was burning candles to Mary. 
Nobody was asking Mary for blessings. That was reserved for God, our Heavenly Father. They prayed to the Father. Nobody was praying to Mary. There's a church in South America, and, and this was written by, a, by a, a, a pastor that wrote some commentaries many years ago, so I don't even know if it's still there. It wouldn't surprise me. But there's a sign over the door that says, Come unto Mary, all you that are burdened and distressed with your sins, and she will give you relief. Blasphemy! That's what that is. That's blasphemy. They're giving divine, divinity, deity characteristics to a woman. Mary was blessed. There is no doubt that she was blessed by God. Blessed are you among women. She was never, never, ever elevated to the status of God. What idols are there in our lives? What symbols are there in our lives that we want to worship? Mary was the mother of Jesus, and it's interesting, she was here with the others, devoted to prayer, being of one mind with them, And this is the last place in the scripture where Mary is mentioned. She is not worshipped. She is not prayed to. She is not asked for blessings. Matthew 11. Matthew 11.25 And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Any kingdom divided itself is laid waste. That's what Satan wants to do to the church. He wants to divide and conquer. Verse 26 If Satan casts out Satan's, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges. Am I in the right chapter? I'm in chapter 12. I need to be in chapter 11. Thank you. I was like, wow, that's good, but that's not where I was going. Thank you. Chapter 11. There we go. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Who is Christ praising? His heavenly Father. You hid these from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. Christ is the one that will carry our burdens. Christ is the one that has the ability to bless us. Enough said. Um... 
Back to just very briefly to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, John 19, I'm not going to turn there. John 19, 26 and 27. Christ, as is, is he's going through the process of the crucifixion, says to, to his mother, Behold, John, your son. And he says to John, the apostle John, Behold, your mother. So we know that for the rest of her days on, on this earth, that John, the apostle, was responsible for taking care of her. Jesus saw to it that she would be taken care of. He, he didn't disregard his earthly mother, but Christ certainly never worshipped her, nor should we. John chapter 7, in closing, this will be the last scripture we turn to. John chapter 7. I'll read the, read on, on your own sometime today. Read one through thirteen, but I'm just I'm just going to focus on on verse uh, five and six. And just five. For not even his brothers were believing in him. They saw the way he was raised. Uh, the the first few verses ahead of that will will shed the most light on that uh, for you. But his brothers didn't believe in him. When he said he was the Messiah, well, you know, Joseph, none of, none of Joseph's brothers were fan of his either. But here, when they saw what Christ went through, they saw the crucifixion, the resurrection, they believed. The brother, the, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, prior, prior to this, you would have never seen his brothers anywhere near with the other disciples. They wanted no part of him because they didn't believe that their brother was who he said he was. Now they've seen, they believe, and they're waiting with the disciples for the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who comes alongside us to comfort us, but also to give us power to give us boldness to, to, to testify of Jesus Christ. To not be ashamed, but to be bold in telling our neighbors of who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of these men that were obedient to your word directly. They did what you told them. Thank you, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.